Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with CJ Lance, a comedian, writer, and creative artist with a passion for making people laugh and living a life worth remembering. And now, the Liver Purpose Podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Live Your Purpose Podcast. My guest today is C.J. Lance, who's a follower of Jesus Christ, husband, office manager, and oftentimes an aspiring comedian. Living in Oklahoma City most of his life, comedy has been more of a passionate pursuit than a feasible career. Nonetheless, the enjoyment of creating laughter has encouraged him to continue writing and performing. Aside from comedy, C.J. works as an office manager at Lettering Express, a local sign and branding shop located in Oklahoma City. CJ, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, you're welcome. So <laughs> Uncle <we've> known, Charlie. <laughs> there it is. So we've known each other for a little while, a few years. Actually, you know, the first time that we really got close, well, besides your birth, was was at uh, my wife and I, our wedding. So mm-hmm. you, you were a star performer at our wedding. <laughs> Did I mess something up? I don't remember messing anything up. Did I what? cry? You might have cried. <laughs> you were the ring bearer at our wedding. I remember the. I remember being the ring bearer, but I don't remember being ashamed. I guess. <laughs> well, we have this on on tape, on literally on tape, on VHS tape. Uh, I'm not sure we have a device that can play it. But yeah, we this do. is a podcast, so no instant replays. No, it won't be. We might be able to get it uploaded on social media though. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so so glad to have you as my guest on the show. So what did I I just broke down crying? I really oh, don't know sorry, the story. Yeah. So the rest of this, let's start there. Let's start from <laughs> the very beginning. So yeah, CJ, you were our, our ring bearer at our wedding. And your hair looked amazing. You had Still a great does. Haircut, and it really does today. It's <laughs> noticing that. And uh, uh, you had uh, your little tuxedo and suit on. And you delivered the ring like a champ. Where you where you broke I down? I remember. Okay. Communion. Communion. I wanted communion. You could not participate. And for some reason, there wasn't enough on the tray for everyone on the stage or whatever. And I cried because I couldn't have communion. Right, right. So <laughs> let's talk about that. <laughs> oh, it all is coming back to me. Right. OK, so now that you're traumatized, let's really let's really talk about your life. Um, no, so it's really good to have you here. As you might know, we start each episode with a kickoff question and you've chosen yours. And we'll start there and just see where the conversation takes us. Right on. Okay. So, CJ, what are the struggles and triumphs that have most shaped your life? God, well, now that we were talking about the communion and have going without. <laughs> That's probably a really good place to start. <laughs> um, no, I, de- I definitely think a lot. Uh, I'm very retrospective, which I don't know. if I guess I'm retrospective to think about how I want to be today and what kind of person I want to be throughout my life. So like what I think a lot about what do I want people to think about me whenever I'm like gone. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, a lot of the struggles that like I, I cling to definitely growing up, not like in poverty or anything like that, like anything extreme, but you know, my dad lost his job when I was in eighth grade and that was a big turning point. 
um, just kind of making ends meet and finding a lot of respect, I guess, and uh, maybe like a healthy sense of pride in handling my own business. Um, I felt very independent as as a kid growing up. Uh, definitely, you know, turned 16, got a job. I was, you know, I was already kind of working. My mom ran, you know, a business out of our home. So I was already doing a fair amount of things there. But then um, I just remember being like a, a go-getter of, I'm going to make my own money. I'm going to make my own decisions. Uh, and I think a lot of that stems from growing up and seeing that kind of like struggle and that stress. But I mean, like financially, then also like on a marriage, I mean, my parents ended up getting divorced and it wasn't 100% financial problems, but that's definitely a, a big one. Um, and so I think a lot about that and the, the choices that I make now and the choices that I've made to get to now and then how I want to like continue making choices <laughs> to, right. to, uh, I don't know, to set myself up for success, but then also to, um, I guess, handle my own, to, to look at myself and feel, you know, like, hey, yeah, I took care of this, and it turned out all right. Right, right. So you gave a couple of examples. By 16, you had a job, and, you know, um, you can change these labels, but independent, go-getter, I think you called it, taking care of your own. What are, what are some other examples as you as you grew past, like, that first job and well, you took some initiative, you might call it, and, and went your own way and took care of things. Um, definitely. I mean, so then, like, the, the milestones of graduating and moving out, I, I remember my dad was like, just stay home and you can save money. He was like, no, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't have to be, but I'm going to be because it's, it's what needs to happen. It's what step needs to happen in my life, essentially. Um, I, I remember I started a an IRA account at 18. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> it's not very big. It's not as big as it should be for of doing like, for doing that. But, <laughs> uh, I remember I stopped because I had to save for a, an engagement ring to oh. get married and so Okay. And then I didn't go back for a long time and <laughs> now I just put in like a lump sum when I can afford it every now and then. Just dump it all in there when yeah, you can. Yeah, I don't. But now I I've whatever, moved on. We don't have to talk about yeah, that. but I have jobs now that like have like four hundred one k's and stuff. So it's not just you know an individual account. But uh, um, see what other milestones. Uh, I, I I got married pretty young. I think it's I got married at a pretty normal age for for Christians in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah, but <laughs> but a lot of my friends and peers uh, are not anywhere close to that. Um, you know, I'm not even 30 yet and we'll be married. Uh, I got married at 21. So we'll be married seven years in June. So coming up, well, I don't know when this will come out, but yeah, if it's this, June, this happy week. anniversary. Oh, it's this week. Okay. <laughs> happy almost anniversary. <laughs> happy anniversary, you guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I remember, um, some of those choices and then, um, you know, saving, not get it going into debt. That was a big thing that my parents really just beat into us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was part of our financial problems. When they got married, they took out a huge loan and then ended up, it caused us to, you know, uh, declare bankruptcy later on and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, paying cash, which hurt whenever we try to buy a house with, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you have that uh, credit. We had to put it under 
under my wife's name because she had student loan debt. Yeah. And that's what saved us. And to it's buy good. It's good to have debt. Isn't that crazy? Like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't owe anyone money. I guess that means I need to owe people money. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting problem to have, but it's not the mob where you just pay cash for everything. So, <laughs> so tell me more about the mob. Yeah, so, <laughs> there's another story here. You got a little side hustle going on. I mean, I love mob yeah. movies. That's what. <laughs> oh, okay. So, okay. Well, that's great. So those are great examples. And I think probably, you know, a lot of this show is just telling your story and, and, uh, and then hopefully some listeners can relate and say, oh, yeah, I've been there, done that. So what is it that keeps you going? What is it that keeps you on track for, say, saving and, and paying in cash and being financially, I don't know, secure or even independent? Yeah. I don't want to make it all like financial. Yeah, I, it's I just feel one like piece. I'm like, just I, one piece. Well, I've definitely been hitting on it really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know because uh, I don't know if it's – I think about that a lot too. Like if it's yeah. a healthy drive – or the, the reasons that I want to do it, if they're actually healthy or if it's a prideful, selfish kind of thing. Because um, there's definitely a, a level of fear of, like, judgment from others if I fail. And, you oh, know, yeah, sure. The, the failure being whatever it is, that I, I didn't do this right or whatever. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely that. But then I also, I think I have a strong drive. Because, I, like I said, starting out, I think a lot about what will people think about me um, when I'm not around, whether it's like I'm not in the room or after my life. I guess I'll share why that is so important because it, it almost sounds like, I guess, suicidal to be like, <laughs> what's everyone going to think about me when I'm gone? Um, but I, I remember a story that stands out, Grandpa Ralph. Yeah. Um, so my great-grandpa, my great-grandfather. My grandfather. Yes. <laughs> Same guy. regular grandpa. Same guy. On that side. <laughs> <laughs> Same person. Uh, yeah. So Grandpa Ralph was a character. And um, I just remember, like, everyone at his funeral, like, just laughing and talking about all the, the funny stories that he did, some of which, like, he was, like, the butt of the joke. Like, he, was, <laughs> like, he did something dumb. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. I love him. But, like, people just loved it and, like, loved the humor. Yeah. And I really think about that as, like, a foundational point for maybe why I like humor. So, like, I really connected to people love when they laugh and they remember that. And so I think a lot about what do people think, well, well, they say at my funeral or whenever I'm not in the room, you know, like, oh, so-and-so, because then... We are talking about Grandpa Ralph, and I mean, I was a child, but people were talking about, oh, so-and-so had such a great humor. He was a lot like Ralph, or is a lot like Ralph, and just kind of those things that like will live on. And so I th- I think a lot about what will others think about me when I'm I'm not around. And so we're talking about the, my, my desire to keep pushing. Um, and so I think that, that it's a big part of the desire of I want to have a legacy that um, is consistent and isn't like, oh, he lost it at one point. <laughs> side, another side story. My my ten year high school reunion is this year. Oh my! Are and you I was going? thinking, I think so. Okay, I think so. Uh, it's gonna be like outside at a park and not too much. They're gonna there's gonna be an after party thing. I don't know if I'll do that uh, for all that pressure, but. Uh, I was thinking about it like, I was like, you know, I feel pretty comfortable. Definitely want to bring my wife. She's very beautiful, very attractive. Want to make sure everyone, <laughs> like, you know, playing the game of like, oh, it's like everyone trying to show off how, you know, what they've done in 10 years. 
And then I realized that it's not the 10-year reunion or the 20-year reunion. It's, it's like the 40- or 50-year reunion that matters because it's like, look, I never lost it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right. I haven't been to jail ever. So Yeah. Because right now anyone could – something could happen and your life could take a terrible turn for the worse. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> been there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so uh, anyways, I think about trying to be consistent day after day. Yeah. Of being that person that's known for striving to do their best, take care of what they're supposed to take care of. And then also the only the best way I can relate to people is to make them laugh. You know, yeah. to try and try and make people laugh. Yeah. And you've been doing that for a while, CJ. And too I, long. Too <laughs> long. He says, so he's done. This is this is his last performance. Always. Every comedian is always like, I'm quitting. And never doing this again. They never do. There's a yeah. famous comedian, Nate Bargatze, hilarious. He's got several Netflix specials. Like one of his first albums is he just walks out and says, I'm quitting comedy. That's <laughs> <laughs> his I'm opening done. line. Yeah, because it's, it's like, I'm done, but how do you quit comedy? You can't like tell someone, like, I quit. You know, <laughs> like, you just stop doing it. And so it's always that, which you talk, I mean, you talk to tons of creatives and you know, you're a yeah. creative yourself, like that yeah. mindset of, I could just stop doing this. I don't have to right. do it. Right. And so, yeah, it But always... you can't, right? There's a part of you, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Or can you? Yeah. That's Tell me what, more about uh, Yeah, let's go, let's go to comedy. Let's look there. Yeah. Talk about, stop talking about being like, responsible and oh. stuff. Yeah. Comedy is not. No, it's not at <laughs> all. <laughs> but, uh, no, I was, because I, I was thinking about, like, with, with COVID and stuff, things have definitely slowed down. I've done a lot less comedy this past yeah. year. Yeah. Um, so see, it'll, it'll be, what, this is like my sixth year doing comedy, something like that, which, if I were in a different city, would mean a lot more than what it does here, but um, I think for a long time, I did look at comedy as like a, just another thing that I had to like succeed at, mm-hmm. um, that, that a really big pressure to always be funny or be the funniest um, to get on the right thing, the right podcast or the right show, to host at the right place, to try and, you know, have X number of minutes that I can do, you know, I can feature, I can headline, whatever the next step step is. Um, and so it, it really put it like a sour taste in my mouth because I was becoming very competitive and judging a lot of other people like, well, I'm better than them or they're not good enough or they're too good. And I feel like I should just quit because they're so much better than <laughs> right. I am. It cuts both ways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, I don't know. Quitting is definitely like, it has to be an option. I think for me to enjoy comedy. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because if it's not, then it's just, it's just gross in a way. Like it's just, it'll consume you. I was thinking, I was literally thinking about this on the way over here. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like one of those passions where it's to be successful at to quote unquote, like make money, like just to set a bar of what success looks like to financially only do comedy, to be at even that level, your, your passion has to be borderline, if not even closer to obsession than, Oh, I love doing comedy. Like, it's like, no, it's like you are comedy. <laughs> yeah, you, you are the identity. Of, yeah. yeah. Wherever you go, that's your identity. Wherever you go. I mean, like, these people, comics that live, like, in their cars on the road, you know, yeah. they're, or yeah. they'll do week to week, and 
Monday through Wednesday, they live in their car while they're driving to whatever, mm-hmm. or they park in whatever city, and then they finally get into the condo and they do the week at the the place and. They have three suitcases, you know, one, two with merch, and one that <laughs> kind of has some clothes and belongings in it. Yeah, and it's just them. They're serv- They're doing all those roles. They, they are sales. It. They are marketing. They yeah, are I mean, they, they've got a manager who lives somewhere and supposedly <laughs> cares something about them. But yeah. I don't know. It just, it's just a gross thing. And, it, cause, and then it becomes like the only thing important about you is your comedy and like how funny you are like public perception or the market or no just like yourself any everything really i mean if you have a if you have a fan base then yeah like that's all that really anyone cares about is what you're doing if you if you stop doing comedy and you're not successful then your fans will stop just because there's they don't know how to follow you yeah uh but then like everything like every person you know within the comedy community it's like where are you at you know what where can i rank you on this pegboard of good yeah. to not good comedians, successful to unsuccessful, all yeah. of the different ranges you can fall in. Yeah, performance. I mean, that's performance. Those are performance metrics. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, it just becomes this headache of uh, always trying to play the game of comedian rather than, yeah. like, I enjoy doing comedy. Yeah. And so I do think through COVID I found a healthier place of, well, I say I, I'm bored because it's borderline quitting. <laughs> Let's just be is. honest here. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's understandable. I've done about like one to two shows a month, whereas before I was trying to get up at least three times a week. Yeah. Um, and I just I do the shows that I want to do. I haven't done mm-hmm. through COVID. I haven't done any open mics, mostly just because there's not a good way for 20 plus people to share a microphone and like say I'm quarant- like being COVID you know, safe right. or whatever. In a bar or, yeah. where, or wherever. You know. Yeah, whatever venue it's at. And yeah. so for my work, I try to be very respectful of, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there are some people that have health concerns, and but they still need to work too. And so sure. try to try to keep myself pretty protected as much as I can. But um, so I would say yes to, you know, one to two shows where I'm getting paid some money, not much, but paid anything at all. Um, you know, there's some perks. It's also... Mostly all I've done shows are uh, the only shows I've done have been at Bricktown Comedy Club downtown. And so, I mean, that's like the biggest club in Oklahoma City. Oh, yeah. Which isn't saying a lot. It's, it's between Slam. two. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Looney Bin. They know it. They're in a different bracket. Um, just different different vibes. But yeah. Um, so I found like a, a place where it's like I can do the amount that I want to do, the types of shows that I want to do. And it's allowed me to really narrow in my material uh, to where, because before I was just always doing Turning mics and shows. And yeah. so I would just kind of like write something I was like, oh, I kind of like that. And I'd kind of work on it. Yeah. But then I wouldn't perfect it, which is the goal of comedy is to perfect your material. Right. It's insane. Like a lot of people think, oh, you write a new set every time you do comedy or whatever. It's like, no, that's, I mean, like some people will do just improv or crowd work you know, type sets, but that's a rarity. These, you know, these jokes normally are said hundreds and thousands of times. Right. And really nailed down. Um, and so, I mean, some people go even to like word for word, nail it down. I don't, I don't think you have to do it that much, but, um, so I found like a healthier place where I can do these shows that I feel are good. Um, 
or at least they feel good to do because they're at a club and there's like actually people there and I'm, I'm working on material, tightening it down. Um, but now I've kind of found myself like as things are opening up, I'm like, oh, I haven't written a lot or like because <laughs> I didn't do the open mics. I didn't do the groundwork. Right, right. And so I can't retire on the <laughs> like 15 <laughs> minutes that, that I really like right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I am kind of refinding the passion in me to to write some more. Yeah. Uh, this Wednesday, I'm going to do my first open mic since in a year. I went, I did an open mic in Norman in last April. That was the last mic that I did before I was like, I got to stop. I think this is like, they're, they're not doing anything to protect <laughs> anyone. Right. It's just uh, all open and, and yeah. Yeah, everybody's too close together and all yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it'll be my first open mic and I'm hosting too. And so it'll, I'll be like there for like three hours, but it's the the passion of the game. We'll see how much yeah. I like it, you know. If, right. Uh, this guy that I went to college with recently, last week, he did his first open mic ever. And it was kind of like, it reminded me, because I haven't been around a lot of open micers. Um, it's a different vibe. Yeah. Um, and so he like did it for his first time. I messaged him afterwards. I was like, how'd it go? He was like, it's so great. I can't wait to do it again. I'm totally hooked. He got and that I'm, rush. And I was like, oh, yeah. wait till you bomb for the first time. <laughs> let, me tell you, let me tell you this, right? <laughs> there will be times where you're like, oh, why did I ever do this? Did like, you tell well, him that? No. Okay, I, I was going to ask him how he felt then. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to a bachelor party in Austin this weekend, and I'm going to do another mic. And I was like, do it, man. Do it. Go. <laughs> Just keep going. Ride the wave. Yeah. Well, okay, so... You're getting back into it. Not that you've ever left it, right? So you've talked about COVID has been weird. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then this Wednesday, which this, this show will go live on when, I, when we say this Wednesday. That's today by the time this episode goes live. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you going to be? Uh, it'll be at Bricktown Comedy Club. It's their open mic. Um, I think it's, I don't know, I think it's free. Okay. Really cheap to get in. It starts at like 6.30 or 7.30 or something like that. I don't know. I'm supposed to be matter. there at a time. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to go after work. Yeah, you're going to go do what you do. I get like a free dinner, so I'm just going to go eat. And uh, so the the details will be in the show notes. We'll find it, and I'm going to drop those down. So if you're listening to the episode now, just click on the show notes and go see CJ and all the other wonderful comedians. And tell him, tell him to keep doing his thing, okay? <laughs> so anyway, so also what I know about you, CJ, is that you're into writing. And I, like we both know a lot of creatives, whether they're musicians or comedians or artists, et cetera. So where has writing been at for you? I know some of the answer, right? But over, especially like the past year, if you want yeah. to go there. Um, <clears throat> I was really like gung-ho at the beginning of COVID yeah. because I wasn't doing comedy. I wasn't doing open mics. And I still had the mindset of like, I have... If I'm not doing, then I'm failing. Okay. It's very much like that mindset that I was kind of talking about, like with comic. Yeah. Like you're playing the game. If you're not on the road, if you're not on a stage with a microphone in your hand, yeah. you're failing. Right. If you're on social media, like all the things you got to do. All or nothing. Yeah. And so uh, I uh, I started like filming my own little dumb sketches. <laughs> I started yeah. a YouTube channel. I released like four or five videos. Right. And that was like all before May of last year, and I haven't done another one since. <laughs> so what was it like doing those? And then, I mean, you can go, like, while you're not doing anymore. Yeah. But what was it like doing that process? And, and maybe compare it to stand-up or other adventures. It's really have. fun. I really it, – because writing is, like, the part of comedy that I like most. I mean, sure, when a show – like, when a set goes really well or, you like, a, a show is really good, um, 
it feels great, but but the writing part is what I like the most because it's the not I don't want to say meticulous because it's not like it's burdensome all the time, um, but it's just figuring out and playing around with what is funny. What's yeah? What's the best way I can say this or make this setting or scenario the funniest? And so, in some ways, that's frustrating because it's like endless. You could just edit it always, um, but there's also just a lot of joy. I, I my test, one of my tests is if I'm writing and I'm like, okay, where am I going with this? And then suddenly the idea, like the end joke, pops into my head. If I laugh out loud alone, just alone by myself, and I made myself laugh, I'm like, yeah. okay, it's just probably funny. Like it's actually funny. Um, there are some times where it's like, oh, no, that's just funny to you. <laughs> <laughs> right. How do you know the difference, right? Do you have yeah. to test it on somebody or And that's or what, so that's what stand-up comedy is. Ah, it's like right. you have to be on stage to know. Yep. And that's what – it's different than any performance. Like you you can't practice like a guitar or, you know, a song or an instrument or a poem even yeah. where like you nail everything, every part of it. And it's like, okay, I'll play this in front of people and it will – be the same yeah you know comedy's like how is everyone feeling in the moment they're hearing the joke right what how, are you saying it too fast are you enunciating properly um did you emphasize the right words like it, there's just it plays all the time and so a sketch writing um you know which like, we were kind of talking about uh um the way to do that is like in a, a circle a writer's room essentially um, bounce ideas off of and so i guess i'll I'll plug that. I'm in a I'm in a sketch writing group called Oki Show Show. Um, we've been pretty collectively bad about releasing <laughs> things. Check the show notes. We'll put a link in for this. Yeah, but yeah. yeah um, but they've got a lot of stuff. They've they've got some great stuff. We've got a sketch right now that's actually we filmed it over a year ago. Released like right before COVID, I think. Um, and it's been it's been doing pretty well, and like we've been submitting it into different festivals and whatnot, and it's been accepted. I don't think it's won anything. It might have won something. I, I'm bad about because the awards. It's if, if I'm like it's, that's another thing you have to do, and so I try not to pay attention to like all the little whatever stuff. But you're just about the craft. You're about the. Process. I want. That's what I want to be. I want to be. Hearing that. I want to be. Yeah. A, Gosh, you you probably you don't know the Disney Channel movie, and you, I don't know if your audience will either. But there's a Disney Channel movie called Brink about a, an inline skater, in like the early 2000s or mid 2000s okay. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so his whole thing is he's a soul skater, and so the the trouble is like his family needs money, and so he gets sponsored. But then his friends are like, "You're a sellout because you skate for money now." We were all about soul skating and just doing it for the love of it. Right. <laughs> and so I want to be like a soul skater. Give this man some love on but, this episode. He wants to be a soul comedian. Yeah. Soul skater. But, soul writer. I need money, too. And so right, it, right. You can't, whatever. Well, some of that, but, not to interrupt you, remember when no, you were yeah. on But I, mean, I think a lot of the people that listen, the couple of dozen that listen to this uh, podcast, um, are 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 gonna say because that's how many followers I have. <laughs> <laughs> More than I have. <laughs> well, it's just how it is. There's a lot of podcasts, but you know, but they want to tune in, and so those are they're often high achievers, creatives. They're living on that edge. They they want like you're talking about. They want to do it for the love. They want to do it for a purpose that's inside of them, and often it's connected to joy. It's just an expression of who they are, and that's part of being a creative or an artist. 
So, you know, when art meets life, you know, the way yeah. that, we, that we do life here anyway in our times is you got to make money to do life because they don't just pay you for the art in mm-hmm. and of itself. So that's, that's often a conflict. That's a dynamic that I, I'm an artist more than I am an entrepreneur, you know, but I, I have to be an entrepreneur in order yeah. to make this business go. But so, again, I kind of took you on a sidetrack, but I wanted to, to pick up on that thread and just see if you had any thoughts between that like the the ever present uh, conflict between the artist and like yeah the, it, the entrepreneur or or business person it it makes me think about uh like Albert Einstein like there's so it's probably I don't know if it's true or if it's just a, a legend kind of thing where it's like he would get so in in you know wrapped up in what he was doing that his assistant would have to remind him to eat yeah. or to like go to sleep or whatever it's like you you need to do this and so I, it's almost like I, I guess I want that type of passion or love for the creative things that I'm doing, and and that's like, oh, I'm just doing it, and then at some point, like I need to be reminded, like, oh, but you should get money for it too. Like if you're good at it, and you like are doing, you know, these certain things, then like it's worth something to someone. Like, don't just do it for free or like only want to, I guess. Um, I don't know. I I feel so far away from a place where I could even like not even like a third of my income could would could be from my creative endeavors. Um, but there was a time when I guess I thought I was closer, and so maybe I I'm, I might be closer than I think if I once things pick back up and I like actually start pushing myself in a, a healthier way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely like. Oh, I don't know how to put it. Like, if you, if you, all you do, if you only do it for the money, then you will not like it. You won't love it. Um, and also, typically, you're not going to be as good at it. I do think there are a lot of people out there that learn how to fake their creativity or to re- repeat it enough that it, yeah. it's on, at a standard. And they're truly like creative enough that, like, their repeated creativity is miles above what other people are. But for most, the average person who's just like passionate about something and is trying to carve out a little, a little segment of whatever that passion is, um, you can't, you can't just focus on like the, the achievements, whether it's financial or just accolades and awards and things like that. Like it has to come from, passion i don't know i mean you probably would be a good person <laughs> to, know, <laughs> to know like how you balance that within yourself and where you right. find it <laughs> yeah and and not that we have to go there but i mean yeah it, it is it where you're headed now cj is where i think it is the heart of like what is that balance and, and and what really matters most which is purpose right that's one definition what what do i really value and and why the motivation behind it, what keeps me doing it, and then what gets in the way of it, like, oh, man, all the marketing and all. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of writers. I know a lot of performing artists. I know, you know, some dancers and, and musicians, et cetera, painters. And and most of them that are happy doing it, they're, they're happy because they like doing it. You know what I mean? And they don't let that sour too far. Mm-hmm. They may have, like, I've come up, I've been soured even by the business that I'm doing now. I'm like, God, I have to sell myself so often. You know, but I don't have to do that as often. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> rolling financially at all, but but I love what I'm doing, and I'm doing, and I'm making enough. 
And I think there's more on the way. Let me just be honest. But nice. But what matters most, other than that, is is still loving the work. Because I'm, you know, burnout is one term yeah. for, you know, I, I'm not burning out from this. There's no way I'm going out like that. I've come too far. And, and so I'm like, well, how do I not burn out then? Because mm-hmm. then you have that fear factor. How do I keep this thing alive until I die? You know, and I want to yeah. keep this going as long as I can. And it's an individual journey. But one of the things is just like knowing what your values are, knowing what really matters. And what are the benchmarks that are enough? What's enough money? What's enough marketing? What's enough shows? Etc. You know, and, th- and that's that individual barometer of yeah. Of I, it, it's funny. I mean, because that kind of pegs where I've been falling or like finding in this past year, as far as you know what. Because, like I said before, I was trying to hit three or four mics a week. Yeah. And it's like, well, what's enough? Like, what? Right. What am I still benefiting and growing from? But at the same time, I'm not like dreading going out because it's like I gotta go to another thing, and I gotta sign up by this time, and then I gotta wait for my turn, and then it's kind of rude if I just leave, but I don't care. Like I'm just <laughs> like yeah, um, you know all the all those things, and and so trying to find that that peaceful. Um, so I think you you said it too. Like I you know I'm not gonna burn out on this, and I I felt that very closely with comedy. And I, I mean, I did say, I still would agree with like quitting has to be like on the table. Yeah. Um, if it comes down to it, like it, it just has to be a thing that I'm okay with. But quitting comedy is really hard to do because <laughs> you can just do it whenever. Like you can start it whenever. Like right. I'm not getting, I'm not making my finances from it. So for me to quit, it's kind of like me say I'm I'm quitting exercising. <laughs> I already don't do that. <laughs> like yeah. like I yeah. sometimes, you know, my wife will be like, You wanna go to the gym? I get someone in for free and it's like I'll I'll do it like once or, you know, yeah. I'll go Saturday and walk on the tread like the most basic thing. But like I you know, I did it. It's like with comedy, you know, it it I wanted I think I want to do it forever. Yeah. Um there is there's a lot of stigma in the comedy community. Of, oh yeah, let's let's talk about that. Uh, you know, just because it's like if I think it's that um, like that group think that mentality, the buy-in mentality of if you're not as bought in as I am, then you're not. It's a benchmark of you know who you are and how good you are and stuff. And so if you don't do this, then you're just a you know a poser. You're a, uh, um, oh I can't even think of the comedy word a hack. That's the you're a hack. You're a hacky comedian who just, you know, does their whatever set or you write cheesy jokes and you you're not progressing anything because a lot of comedy is about progressing. Yeah. Uh, you know, new new thoughts, new ideas, Innovation. new ways of looking at things. Yeah. Um and so if you're not doing it to like a high enough level, then you're not doing it at all. But and that's which, to be fair, like those people have the mindset of like, I want to be on TV one day, right? And to be on TV one day, like you got to do a lot of stuff. I, I know and have met like extremely good comedians who live in you know New York or LA, and in particular, I know this one guy, who I mean, I guess I know him mostly through a friend, but he's he's a really nice dude, and. His story is nine times, nine times he has been in a green room for a late night talk show and gotten bumped. 
And so he like didn't make it on TV until like this past year or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to deal with that much rejection and seemingly failure, Uh you have to be like, well, if you're not doing it as much as I am, if you don't love it like I do, then you're fake, you know? Right, right. And so it's just kind of like a gross mindset, which is what I want to protect myself from. Um, But there is also a level that if you just want to do comedy and have fun doing it, like you should be allowed to, you're not, you're not getting in the way of the guy who's trying to get on TV. And if you end up getting on TV just by doing it because you love it, it means the guy who's trying or the girl or what, you know, what a person, the right? person yeah. or the animal. There's I mean, definitely it could be a dog comedy or a definitely cat. skews in a certain direction. <laughs> yeah. True. But, uh, you know, whoever it is, if you're, if you are like giving it your 110% and like you gave up everything and moved to New York and live in what, you know, this tiny apartment and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and you don't make it, it could be that you are really good and it's just, you know, it just sucks sometimes. Or it could be that maybe you just didn't have a genuine spark and you were trying and trying and trying. And it, it's okay that you didn't have that spark. Like you could have been, investing in something else too and still like found a creative outlet and been happy rather than driving yourself crazy because you aren't succeeding in the way you want yeah yeah and that's a totally different narrative by the way i mean if you're talking about identity as a comedian that's like a a a completely different identity than either winning or losing or you know either i'm going to be great or i'm going to fail and and you know and so looking back like with the perspective you just described this just for interest sake like if you were to look back uh, or have people look back at you for that last scenario, you know what I mean? So say you're the one that went to New York or it doesn't have to be oh, that. Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, what would that, what would that do for you? Because I, I, I don't know. I, part of me would still love to live in L.A. Yeah. Um, but not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a really brutal thing to do. Um, and so I think I, I, looking back at me, if I did that, yeah. I think I would find a lot of unhappy, a lot of things that I tolerated rather than enjoyed. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, that's powerful. And so I think for me, finding a place that it, I'm just you know comfortable, you know, or you know, even I think part of comedy is being uncomfortable um, yeah. and facing uncomfortable things. And so I, I do think like I want to push myself. I don't want to just like passively sit by. Um, but at the same time, I would rather, you know, it, it be looked at as when it's looked back upon, like, um, he really enjoyed it, you know, he, it, yeah. and it, what he did was what he wanted to do. I keep trying to sell myself on that mindset. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it. It's right there. You know, it's to me, to me, it sounds like you're like leaning into that and testing it out, you know, to, yeah. see, to see what's there. Can I do what I want to do? Is this real? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everybody asks that question, you know, anybody that's listening has your ears on and you're following this conversation. If you have an experience that I don't understand where you're at, you know, because I experience it, I've experienced it many times and even recently, you know, so that's yeah. something that comes up. It's part of uh, like growth and development. Yeah. Yeah. Um, literally, like I was sitting in, in church yesterday and for some reason in church, my mind just drifts to comedy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh man, I'm thinking about it again. Like we're 
praying. I should stop thinking about a set that I have coming up or whatever it is. It might be a sign. I mean, come on. I don't, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I had to say that. I think it's, it's so me obvious. saying like, oh, yeah, God ordains my comedy. Right. Well, there's a stage in church at most churches too, you know? I yeah, know I, do think of, stage, but. I do think of, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Those, um, are, those are nice venues. But, um, but no, I was, I was trying to, convince myself of the mindset that yeah i'm coming because i'm coming back into comedy like right i'm doing this so that on wednesday today whatever yeah uh i'll do <laughs> i'll do my first open mic in a year and there are tons of like the list is already out and there are like over half the list i'm like i've never i don't know this person i've never met them i don't yeah. know is it their first time or they've been doing it this whole time and i just haven't been involved which is really weird because before the pandemic, I was very involved in the comedy scene. I knew 85, 90% of everyone who was doing comedy in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, I, I ran a show that was weekly, you know, so like I was seeing people every week, all the time. Um, and now I'm not. And so I was trying to convince myself of this mindset like, okay, I'm coming back into the game. Like, I've already been there, done that kind of thing. Right, there's some <laughs> confidence. Is, I, I know how to do this, right? So arrogant, but also just trying to have like a healthy level of right. confidence. Of, right, right. Because beforehand, I was just so focused on like, I was at first I was new, and so then I'm like, I got to prove myself. And yeah. then once I kind of proved myself, um, which you, you'd mentioned before the show, I, I did win a contest like seven months into doing comedy. Yeah. I won the biggest comedy contest in Oklahoma City. And there were people that like were really mad at me for it, and there were a lot of people that were really supportive too. They're like, "Oh right. wow, this guy like came out and like showed us that we can't just slack off and you know get away with it." Yeah. Um, and so after that huge milestone right out the gate, it was just like always chasing not the next high, but kind of like, "Oh, yeah. I got to prove that I I'm I should have won it, and I should right. win this thing, and yeah. I should do this, and all the things." Yeah. And so now I'm trying to come at it with a mindset. Uh, I've already experienced a level of success in Oklahoma City comedy that most of the people here will never experience. And so not to be, like, cocky about it. No. But I don't have to get up on stage and adhere to anyone's standards of, like... Right. <laughs> like, you're also an Oklahoma City comedian. You're not... I don't see you going and selling a special or whatever. Like, right. Who are you to tell me that I'm not up to par or anything? Yeah. It's a totally different perspective, isn't it? Once, yeah. Once, once most of us have had enough success and, and maybe, you know, our passion like breaks our heart a little bit. I know mine has yeah. before. And it gives you a totally different perspective because you're like, man, I know, I know what it is to be dragged through the trenches or that's an old phrase, but to, to be beat up a little bit by, by the thing that I love. But I've also had some success in it. And when you have that that mix, it's kind of magical. It just yeah. necessarily reframes your your perspectives. That's definitely what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Well, it, it it will. I mean, I already hear it in you, and then it's just like, can you show up that way? I think I hear I, you saying, can yeah, I show can, up as this new person, right, that knows that, these things? Can I show up, and can I continue to show up like yeah. that? Because the other thing is, it's like, well, I can maybe deal with, uh, you know, so-and-so comedian thinks you're not very funny, you're not that good, right. whatever. Who's so-and-so comedian? Yeah, that part's easy, right? But then you. every night that I'm on stage, the yeah. audience is telling me exactly what they think of me. Oh, yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> and yeah. so if I'm... Because I'm trying to like write about more personal things and not... 
I, I don't know. I, I've been writing a lot about like my faith and religion and beliefs and trying to really play with that. Yeah. Um, in a, in a way that's also not like heretical or you know, like bad <laughs> right, right. either. Yeah. Um, but I think it's very like real and I've got some material that's very real and comes from a real place. But there are times where it's like people don't want to buy into it because you're talking about faith or they don't want to buy into it the way that you're talking about it because it's you're talking about faith and trying to put a sort of positive spin on it. Like it's right. I'm not bashing it, but I am poking holes in like some of the like Christian American Christian uh you know, religion that we, you know, have set up that's not necessarily biblical or it's more, you know, our just society and how we, we operate. Um but so so my my fear is that well, yeah, I've got confidence because, you know, I've been doing this. I've been around the scene. But then also I don't have confidence because you all hate me right now. Because <laughs> like, right, those are different I'm, perspectives. Right? I'm on stage and no one's laughing. And so <laughs> right. I am bad. You're right. You're all right. You're right. I've been, I've been validated in the wrong way. You know, you're all correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And the more vulnerable or honest or authentic you get with your content in any type of performance, public speaking is a performance. I public, this is public speaking right now. Yeah. I'm an introvert. You know what I'm saying? So I've learned to, to, to hold conversation. It's, and it's more about the conversation than it is about me. And who knows what other people are going are gonna to take from this conversation. Yeah. I think something good. But, <laughs> but regardless, that's why I'm doing it. Regardless of, of the per- perception of others, I know that it's valuable because of the conversation itself. In and of itself, it's valuable. So uh, because people are going to take what you just said right now and they're going to be like, oh, I see a way forward now. You know, because you're trying to get real. No, or, I think we should all real. just, we should quit Quit. Quit our passions. Number make one, money. Quit. Two, make money. <laughs> Three step plan. Third, third step. Third step. Be eulogized. <laughs> Somebody tell your story like, you know, like they're at your funeral. Tell someone else to do the same stuff you just did. Okay, pass it on. <laughs> there it is. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> That's Live it. your life podcast. <laughs> yep. doom, doom, doom. Okay, so no, but I, I did want to also hit this, CJ, because yeah. you talked about, you did talk, talked about some of the skits that you've written and, and the, the, that are out there on YouTube. Oh, yeah, we, we moved away from writing. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, what's, it, it doesn't have to be a skit either. What are some of the, the highlights from any time that you've been doing comedy? You're like, this was a cool project or this was a great series of jokes. You know what I mean? Where, yeah. where everything came together and you're like, this was quality and I enjoyed um, it. So I guess I'll, Share two. Okay. I've not written a sketch that I thought was so good and it was like so successful that I was like, oh, I'm amazed by it. Okay. Um, so the, the two examples I have are from stand up. Um, I'm very new to sketch writing still. I'm, I still, I dabble in it. I love it, but it's, it's hard to like put it all together and then create it. Whereas comedy, like I just have to sign up for a mic somewhere and I can do it. Yeah. So, um, but one of my favorite things in comedy is turning a room. Um, so when you can feel the vibe, I mean, most people can feel the vibe of a room, but like comedy, like comedians, like you train yourself to like try and hone in on what is going on around me. Um, and sometimes you misread the vibe, but uh, a lot of times you can tell like, oh, this show is going poorly. Like no one is laughing. People are bombing. Uh, comedians, when you fail, it's a bomb. Um, and so it, it's just like, oh, this is bad. And then you have 
to go on stage <laughs> after it was really bad for like your friend. You just watched your friend like be. I don't. How wholesome is this podcast? You can say what you okay. need to say. So the the phrase is "eat a dick." <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you just watched them do terribly, and you have to go up on stage. But then, for some magical reason, like your confidence is there, you almost always when you turn a room, you have to start out by addressing something in the room. You can't just start with material because they're not. They already like didn't like the last person's material, so they're not going to like tune in super closely. You give them something else to focus on too, and, right? and it's and it relates to like you know something here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember one one instance where I turned a room. I got up on stage and it's in this like, you know, rundown bar kind of you know hole in the wall place, and there's like a bunch of graphic novel comic book art on the walls, and so for some reason there is a T Rex with boobies on it, like just drawn on, <laughs> on one of these posters. Yeah, and so that's the first thing I pointed out. I was like, "You guys having a good time? You see the T Rex with tits over here?" <laughs> yeah. and just like. It just uh, people are like, oh my god, that is weird. Like I did notice that. Like we talked about it or whatever yeah, it is. It was relevant, right? And so then you kind of like get them, and then you can, through getting them, you can do material. Um, yeah. Sometimes they don't stay. Sometimes, right, sometimes but at least like, gives you the chance. Yeah. To, sometimes to be like heard, be right? funny again, clown man. Yeah. Like, do, <laughs> right. Do the thing that was funny. Yeah. Um, but it gives you a chance. Yeah, and it, yeah. it can turn a show. It can make a show. You know, or it can help not break a show, essentially. Right. Um, and so that feels very good to do, to to come out. Or even sometimes you can do it intentionally in your set where you, you have uh-huh. a joke that is dark or turns people away, and then you twist it back and bring it back. Yeah. Um, I've had jokes like that. I enjoy doing it, but also it, it does really open up to, like, piss some people off. Yeah. And I didn't enjoy that part of it, so I I, right. I moved away from that style of comedy. <laughs> it can get personal, can it? Yeah, yeah. It, and it can just—it's just, like, at what point am I just proving that I can be dark and funny? Like, right. I don't watch this technique, everybody. Yeah, I'll watch just what be I funny, like yeah. instead of like yeah. edgy about it or whatever. Like I don't yeah. know, just write it better so that everyone likes oh, it. Oh, there it is. That's a call uh, out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Y'all heard that. Uh, but then another time. Uh, for a while, I did a show called the New News Show, uh-huh. which was it was a hodgepodge of things. It wasn't like uniquely my idea necessarily, but um, so in the show we would have like a stand-up comedian do a set. We, so we'd have like four comedians do a set, and every person on the show would do a, a, what we call a challenge. So they'd pick at random a card. And on the card were predetermined challenges. So, um, I'm trying to think of what one of them. Like they were like dumb things. So like one time we put a a bucket, like a five gallon bucket, on like a rope, and you had to wear that bucket. And then people in the audience got ping pong balls, <laughs> and they got to shoot them into the bucket while you did your set. Yeah. Um, we liked the my favorites were characters. So we'd have, like, number one fans. Like, oh, your number one fan is here. You do your set. And then we'd have a friend who's a comedian, you know, one of our friends, be in the audience, and they would body paint, you know, like, I love whoever. (laughs) And, like, just cheer and go crazy. Um, And so it was just, like, very crazy stuff. 
But one of those shows, a lot of them were weird. <laughs> I could see how they could get weird really quick. And yeah. like people were like, what is happening? Yeah. But one, like two of them were pretty good. But one of them was what I still consider to be the best show that I ever like helped produce and create. And it was just, it was just a magical night. Like I have like photos from like on stage of, so the one that like really brought down the house, um, I mean, everything was pretty, pretty great that night, but, uh, we had, uh, the, the challenge, which they weren't challenges. I don't know what to call them, but the challenge was, uh, we got a new sound guy. So uh, you go ahead and do your set, do your jokes. And our sound guy is just going to make sure everything's working right. And we had a comedian buddy of ours download, uh, um, one of those sound effects apps. <laughs> yeah, I saw it coming. I saw it coming. You said sound guy. Yeah. And so right. he would just, he, you know, the but But then also like uh-huh. at random, like play like circus music. Like, I'm so sorry. It's I don't know. I'm, it's my first I'm day. Right. <laughs> like in the middle of his That's jokes. so good. Yeah. And so like he's laughing. The comedian's laughing. Everyone in the audience is laughing. Like, yeah. And like I have this picture from on stage. Of the the guy who's doing his set is just his head is down because he's <laughs> he's laughing, but also like he can't say a joke because of whatever sound effect, and like everyone in the audience is just like teary eyed looking and like but you know, it's just one of my favorite memories and that yeah. that show was uh it's, it probably also helped that like fifty people showed up to that show in like this tiny room yeah and so it just, it just it felt really good yeah it was really tight in there um yeah that was one of my favorite memories yeah yeah. Well, so you've got you've got these pro you've got Wednesday coming up today coming up, and um, so to close out, are you looking for connections out in the community? Are you looking to to collaborate with other like writers, or are you looking for venues? And um, if so, then how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, um, so writers, I mean, Okie Show Show is always kind of open to like people teaming up or maybe helping out, joining in um, whenever things aren't. COVID crazy. We were filming actual sketches and uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so you can follow Oki Show Show at Oki Show Show. I'm pretty sure on Instagram. Yeah. Um, if not, you can find me and I'll direct it. I'm at uh, CJ Lance Comedy at CJ Lance Comedy on Instagram uh, or Facebook at CJ Lance. If you know Charlie, <laughs> if you know me. Charles Gossett, I'm Charlie. My family. Go to his Facebook page and you can find me probably. I'm going to tag friends. it like it's hot. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, we'll put that on um, the show notes. But uh, but yeah, um, and then as far as venues, I kind of am. So like I said, I I ran a show that was weekly for a long time. I don't have the passion to do that. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. But I am kind of looking to maybe do a once a month show with a couple of my friends, and um, we're trying to figure out if we want to do it at a new venue or what we want to do. So right, if you have a venue and you want comedy. I could I could definitely fill it with comedy, um, if it'd be consistent or not. That's up to you. We could figure it out. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I I could definitely point you in the the right direction if it's not the project that I want to do. That's nice. That's like that's like your manager hat that you're pulling on there. You're like that's uh, I definitely have coordination. Uh, there's a website, Gig Salad. Are you on? I don't know if no uh, musicians, cool. magicians, anyone can be on Gig Salad or whatever. Um, and so people like you have like a little profile and people can book you for things. So like reverb uh, nation. Yeah, I think so. I'm two I, years ago. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and so I'm on that and every now and yeah. then like someone will send me like a thing and it's like, I don't want to do this show, but I was, I'm like, I'll book it for you. Like 
you know, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put in a bid. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then they never, I do it high because I'm like, I don't want to drive out to whatever. Art, Arcadia's not even far enough. Like, you know, Bodunk Town in Oklahoma and do right. your show for your <laughs> right. birthday party or whatever it is. Uh-huh. But, uh, but yeah. I, I, I'm down to connect. Yeah. I'm really bad about social media. That's, I think okay. that's another reason why I, I want to like tone down comedy because you have to be on social media so much. Yeah. And it just, it was like exhausting for me. Even still, I'm like, oh, I need to post to Instagram. And then I forget. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I didn't do it. I, and I'm like, wait, why am I upset? <laughs> it's, <laughs> right. it's okay. Like, people just didn't know what I did today. Right. No one texted me. So they obviously didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> right. So maybe unpaid social media managers looking for a gig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but don't reach out through social media. So ask me and I'll get in touch with CJ. <laughs> I'm definitely on there. I def- If I get a notification, like, oh, what's being, who wants to talk to me? Right. <laughs> what's uh. going on? Yeah. Well, really good. Do you have any closing thoughts? So just opening it wide up to uh, any, any parting thoughts. Um, so I recently got a new promotion to yeah. office manager Let's at my, talk about at my yeah. job. Yeah. Um, and so I'm looking forward to becoming the best manager that I can be. Uh, it's already been a little difficult, a little hard, a little bit of uh, kicking the pants in some ways and different things. But uh, I'm looking forward to growing in that position. I think we kind of started the conversation off, and that's maybe where we were going in that direction or would have gone, um, talking about like you know taking care of you know things that I'm supposed to take care of, doing the things that. You know, kind of like that mindset of, I want to be a, a good person or the best person I can be, and I want other people to see that I do, and probably probably in too much of an unhealthy way. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think that's what helped me get this position. It's at a you know small family owned company. It's been around for like thirty years, and just through being a, a go getter, I don't like that phrase. It seems too campy for me. Yeah. But yeah, through wanting to succeed and a you know, help them grow and take care of things and put, put new processes in place and stuff. Um, it definitely, it definitely did open this doorway. Um, and so I guess words of wisdom would just coming from, from that or thinking onto that was, uh, you know, well, now I'm stealing from, the Disney movie robots, you know, see a need, fill a need, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, you know, if you, if yeah. you want to do something, then you can, you can do it. Just if you, if you try, um, I think about that a lot in comedy. Cause I think about it in the dark, the, <laughs> the, the twists, you know, like, yeah. you know, these serial killers are like, if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. Fine. Right. I'm doing it today. You know, <laughs> there comes a point. <laughs> But then also it is a very positive thing. Like if you if you really want to strive and yeah, um, but I would just encourage you to, to find how it is a, a what healthy manner you can pursue that rather than you know breaking yourself forever and ever and running the risk of hating what you've become or what you never did become right. because you spent too long or too hard and missed it. C.J. Lance, thanks for being my guest on the show. Thanks for having me. It was a good time. been listening to the live your purpose podcast i hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest 
If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember, you were meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today. Thank you.